Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to the Football Digest podcast Extra Time. I'm your host Conor Bromley and I'm joined today by Mark Jones to talk all things Premier League. A wild weekend of Premier League results setting us up nicely for the two weeks off of the international break and I would be amiss to not say that I am a Sunderland fan and Sunderland spanked Southampton this weekend 5-0 and I would love to spend the next yeah half hour talking about that but we won't because I imagine most of the audience don't really care about that so we will start instead with Arsenal against Manchester United that was the Super Sunday game the flagship game of the Premier League this weekend and Arsenal ended up winning 3-1 it was a I would say a roller coaster of a game, Mark. You know, it was very nervy to begin with. Man United took the lead and that kind of sparked the game into life. Arsenal pulled it a 1 1 and then two very late goals. So before we jump into Eric Ten Hag and his comments after the game, I just want your thoughts overall on the game. Was it a deserved win for Arsenal? And what were your sort of feelings come full time? I think it was a deserved win for Arsenal. I think they, they, uh, they came on strong towards the end and. Um, you're right. I think for it was, I found the nerves around it to be interesting given it's so early in the season. Um, you know, I think it was a bit of a, I think we, Arsenal, Arsenal have got themselves in this mindset where they think they have to win every game because of Man City. And we obviously saw what happened when they drew with Fulham, you know, a game they really should have won two or not, but home to 10 men, you have to see that out. And they they conceded the goal, and they seem to all the reds fell off basically. And so to then have the next game against Man United, which is already a huge game, um, it got ramped up. And then on the United side, they've already been to Tottenham and lost. They've been fortunate in a couple of home wins against Wolves and against Nottingham Forest. So there's pressure on them as well, and you could see that in the early stages. I thought. But then it settled down. I mean, the moment of the game, the key moment of the game is that get Arsenal's uh, equaliser coming when it does. Uh, really, really good goal, really well-worked goal. You know, they cut them open. And it was a real show of, you know, um, we're not going to let, we're not going to sort of be be sort of cowered by United taking the lead, which previous Arsenal teams perhaps would have done. Really, really impressive reaction. And then that set up the, uh, the chaos later on, didn't it? 
one thing I would say, and nothing to do with the football here, but that Manchester United away kit is foul. Oh, I don't understand why they're wearing a black kit. Well, I don't know if you see. So I, I, I do every year, I do the kit rankings that we do. Uh, I must have done it the past five, six seasons now. Uh, home and away kits, and that was bottom. Um, actually, Arsenal's away kit was second bottom, the yellow with the very thing. They wore it away to Palace. Um, worst kit in the league. And yeah. just, just uh, it's a sort of greeny colour, doesn't it? But then when you see it on the screen, it looks black and white, doesn't it? It looks like, it looks like a Newcastle kit. Um, oh, I'm glad it genuinely was black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, not great. And I'd, I don't know, I might, maybe I read a bit too much into these things, but because I do this kit thing every year, I do it for big tournaments as well. I think if you have a bad kit, players know. Like yeah. that, that that Liverpool away kit last season, the one with all the weird patterns on it, they didn't win a game in it. I think that, I think it was, if they had a record where it was something like played seven, lost six, drew one, something like that. And so I'm convinced it was the kit. If you have a bad kit, players know. I think <laughs> Eric Ten Hag's comments post game uh, not an offside for the goal that was disallowed by Gornacho a foul in the build up of the Rice goal and a penalty not given on Hoysland are these legitimate gripes or do you think this is somebody maybe deflecting away from his team um, in a similar way he did on the opening day of the season when that decision went for Man United, you know, and he said that Onana had had a good game, it wasn't a penalty. I think this was him deflecting from maybe a poor Manchester United ending to the game and saying that, you know, it was the referees and don't get on the backs of the players. Instead, bent that fury towards something else. Yeah, uh, he's, he's emotional, you know, and, and uh, I sometimes think we have to forgive managers or players sometimes, but if you get a microphone shoved in your face very shortly after... Uh, a big game like that, he's just emotional, and it's a series of of tight decisions uh, of the offside. It's quite literally a very tight decision. The uh, the the suggestion that Evans was fouled in the box, I don't think he was. You see that very often. You know, it wouldn't be a penalty any other way. Um, and Hoyland won. Nah, I think I think he was again. He, it was it, it was this. It was this idea of initiating the contact, isn't it? And playing for the contact, which you saw with um, Havertz when the penalty got overturned. So no, I don't, I don't think he's got a case with anyone. And I mean, the offside is, it's there. You know, it's in, it's in black and white. It's all green and white, whatever you call that kit. <laughs> um, it's there. You know, we, that's the reason why we have BAR and it, it's incredibly frustrating when it, when it doesn't go for you. Incredibly frustrating. But I, it, it will have gone for many nights on other occasions. It, it goes for and against other teams on, on, uh, on a weekly basis, doesn't it? It just happens to be Man United's turn and he's frustrated. And, and it, you know, it would have been a huge moment as well, which is probably, again, one of the reasons why he is the way he is. It was a great goal, lovely run through and finish from Garnacho, who is a player that they really think highly of at Man United. The fans certainly want to see more of him, I'm sure. And had he have scored a late winner in a fixture like that, it could have really been a takeoff moment for for him and for United as well, but it didn't happen. And, and they, and they, uh, they ended up uh, letting it go at the other end. Okay, we'll jump now. There's a lot of talk about, so we're not going to focus too much on the Arsenal game. We're going to jump now to Man City. They, um, in the end, batted Fulham, but I don't, I don't think 5-1 was a, a fair no. reflection of that game. So anyway, when I watched that match of the day, I thought Fulham were a wee bit unlucky, but Haaland bagged himself a hat-trick and... Yeah, City showing the mean business. I also want to talk about that Nathan Atty goal, but before we talk about that, Erlen Haaland, 
three goals for him. He's good. Yeah, yeah he's all right. Yeah. Um, hasn't he got the same record in the first four games, the exact same record he had last year in terms of, you know, the amount of goals he scored in each game. He's got, he's got a hat-trick in his fourth game last season and he's done it again and he only touched the ball, I did see it, 16, 17 times or something in the, in the, in the game and he scores three goals. He is just the the perfect player to have as the focal point of this of this evolved Man City team. Um, to be the one who's there to finish the chances. It doesn't even need to be a good chance as it. You can just finish it. Um, the ball will drop to him. First time finishes. Uh, there's not much more you can say about him in terms of the quality of him because we know that. Um, I think... I think he hadn't scored at the XZ for a while because again, I, I, I was listening to on the radio and I heard him say, they asked the question to him, so, well, you, you, he'd gone something like four or five games at home without scoring and he was laughing off. I was like, oh, I don't really care. <laughs> he said, I'll, I'll score the next one, I'll score the next one. Uh, and that's how he thinks and that's that's the, the um, they're not, I mean, the number, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to hit numbers again. He's going to be, he's going to be the top scorer again. I'm, I'm certain of it. He's going to, um, the thing last season that everyone thought I thought I thought he was because he had his his injury issues at Dortmund didn't he and he and I know Dortmund fans weren't too pleased with him because they basically felt like he was not really playing through the pain barrier and you know he would miss quite a lot of games and it and I sort of presumed that might have happened at City you know the, you know, but he just plays every week doesn't he I, don't, I think he only missed one or two games last season um, and when he's there, as you said, Fulham were doing all right. You know, they were they were in the game, and blink of an eye, he scored a hat trick, and um, and that's that. And it's a five-one win when people would probably say Man City weren't the best either. Got a comment in here from Richard, which leads nicely to what I was going to talk about next. Uh, Nathan Agnew's goal. Um, Richard says Akanji was offside and interfered with the gameplay. Need transparency, consistency. Efficiency, effectiveness, no bias, and professionalism by referees. Very well, so a strong comment there. Yeah, um, but that that goal, Marco Silva was was doing his dinger in it at the end of the game, and I can see why because for me that is a as black and white an offside as you'll ever see. I don't understand how a professional referee can have a look at that on the monitor and decide that he wasn't interfering with play. It was so obvious looking at Leno that Leno. Had a Kanji not been there, I think Leno probably saves up. But he had to slow himself down yeah. in case the ball was deflected. It to me, it was obvious that that was an offside, and I just don't understand how we can have technology in here to help, and they can miss such an obvious decision. I just think they tie themselves up in knots with the wording around some of these things, and I think the comment there is actually spot on. I think it was it it, it should have been offside. When it happened, I was chatting to uh, one of our colleagues, Aaron, who's a who's, has refereed in the past, and he was he was explaining to me why why it was given. He didn't agree with me. He's actually a City fan, he, but he, he was basically saying to me why it was given. And when it's all written down, you go, okay, that's the reasons for it. But the, the, the reasons are nonsense, right? Um, Bert Leno, as you say, Bert Leno has had to change the way he's trying to save that ball because the Kanji's there. A Kanji shouldn't be there, or you know, he he. Or by by being there and by affecting Leno, um, he's essentially altered the the sort of course of that of that header as it goes towards goal. Um, and I saw some comments from Shea Given as a as a goalkeeper, and he was saying, um, it's impossible as a goalkeeper 
to, to anticipate that as it comes towards you, you have to think. I mean, imagine if the ball comes towards him and Akanji is onside and he controls it and he puts it in and Leno's already dived, you know, and he's off the pitch because he's dived, you know, for the, we're all going to be sitting here talking about, did you see what Leno did? You know, uh, like Akanji is affecting the game by being there. So it has to be offside. But uh, this old adage that they'll trot out because of, you know, the various way the law is, word, is worded, and they'll they'll try and defend it, and they'll basically say it wasn't. But no, it, it it just the second you saw it, it didn't look right, did it? Um, and it and it's the type of goal that should be given offside. It's such a crucial time of the game as well. I think it was just yeah. it was an added time just before half time, and Fulham never recovered from it either. So it was a shame for them because they they'd obviously put in a lot of work, you know, all week on the training pitch, and you get done over by such an obvious error. So yeah, Fulham unlucky on that one, but City suppose make their own. Lock probably don't need help from referees though. I'm <laughs> they would have won the no. game anyway. Uh, we'll switch now. Liverpool against Aston Villa. This had the potential to be a, a sticky game for Liverpool. I think most people probably looked at this and thought, well, this is a good test. Um, but Liverpool came away 3-0 winners. You know, comfortable. 2-0, that wasn't it? Pretty early in the game. Uh, Shaboshlai looking good, getting himself his first goal. More Salah as well. Scoring... But it, this was a solid win, wasn't it, for Liverpool? And it, I would say it, it's, a, it's a marker, you know. These two yeah. games they had back-to-back, I mean, they've had a tricky start of the season, to be fair, but these these last two games, Newcastle away and Villa at home, you know, I think if they came out with four points, they would have been delighted. But to get six points from them, that, that shows that Liverpool mean business this season. Yeah, very much so. Um, it's a... It's a when you add in, obviously there's no Van Dijk yesterday either. Um, and Villa have, have done well against Liverpool in recent years. Uh, Ollie Watkins has a great record against Liverpool. Um, and I thought I thought it was going to be a tricky one. Um, but in a blink of an eye, they won them up and they're, and they're playing really good football. I don't think Villa helped themselves. I think Villa played with, play with that high line, which you saw um, when they went to Newcastle, didn't you? And I think that was probably... Klopp's reason for picking uh, Darwin Nunes uh, after he scored the two at, at Newcastle. He thought, well, he's very good at running. He's, he's quick, isn't he? He's good at running beyond that high line. And he, you know, we saw, I mean, he basically makes a second goal. He should have scored it himself, but hits the post and it hit cash and it went in. And yeah, it turned it up after 20 minutes and and, and they cruise from there. It's a it's a good win. It's a good start to the season. Yeah, I think a lot lots of questions about Liverpool going into the season from their own fans as well, given some of the transfer activity. Um, the threats from the likes of Villa and Brighton and clubs like that. We've already seen, I mean, uh, we saw Newcastle finish above them last season. So where were they going to, you know, fit around those? But yeah, as I say, they've, they've beaten them both in the last in the last week really, really well. Um, and they can be very happy with the start to get 10 points out of 12 from those sets. Of, that's their fixtures. You think, surely it's going to get easier from, from then on. Uh, Salah, yeah, still there, uh, despite some... Some reports to the country that he was flying around the world. He's still there, and he he looks. I mean, I, there was a comment from Sebastian. I wasn't there, basically saying, "Yeah, he's here. He says he wants to be here. Um, we don't have any problem with him." I'm certain, given this Saudi window is still open for what is it Thursday, he's now going on international duty in Egypt. I, I reckon we'll see some stories again about about that. You know what happens whenever a player goes in, on international duty? Some stories come out, and some of them are right and some of them are wrong, but. You can only you can only judge him on what you see on the pitch, and uh, he scored. He was heavily involved again, um, and he looks to be he looks to be fully committed. and And as you see from the quotes from the likes of Klopp and 
And so Boss Lightyear, again, was superb. He's had a really good start. Um, so yeah, they, they, they look very good. Yeah, he looked, I would say, happy. Yeah, he always looks happy, to be fair, more size, which possibly the happiest football I'd ever see. But I thought <laughs> yesterday, um, in particular, not so much his goal, but that assist that he nearly got on Nunes. Nunes put it wide and he hit it with yeah. the outside of his goal. I mean, that was classic yeah. Salah. That was about as more Salah as you'll ever see. And that to me suggests that... I, I don't... It's just, this is my thing about, it, about the whole thing. The players who've gone to Saudi... You can very much say all, pretty much all of them are on the downward spiral in their career. Now, Salah probably is as well. He's 31, but he's still good enough to, to be a crucial player in, in the Premier League, a crucial player in a potential, a potential title challenge. Who knows for Liverpool? They could be the one that gets closer to, to City again. They've obviously done it before. Um, and I just think he's still too good. He's still too good and he's still too vital and he enjoys himself, as you say. Big, big Premier League game. Sun's out at Anfield. Big game against Villa, and he's loving it, isn't he? And uh, you know he'll he'll he'll. Um, I'm certain of it. He'll he'll carry on uh, this season, and then maybe there's a question. Maybe there's a question there there for next summer. Got another uh, remark in from my friend Richard, the third member of the show today. Um, <laughs> Liverpool's forward line looks good, but midfield depth and squad and defence needs fixing in January 2024 next season. So that was kind of coming out of my next point in terms of Liverpool being title contenders. You talked about it there. Uh, wrote on the plan here are they lacking key depth and that's sort of the point that Richard's making here yeah. do you think that Liverpool are maybe a season or two away from being the team they were two or three years ago I mean I think for me maybe. it feels premature that they would be yeah. able to topple Man City there's, there's still a need for more additions I mean when we were talking about transfers last week I, I still think they need to buy a defender uh, which they haven't done Um and they need to get lucky with injuries, which they haven't necessarily in the last couple of seasons. They always seem to be players dropping like flies a little bit. You know, you saw Canate was out again yesterday. He's not. He's he's very good when he's fit, but you can never really rely on him to be fit for that long. You saw Joe Gomez and Joe Matip play centre back yesterday, both perfectly fine squad players. But do you want to rely on them? You know, if say Van Dijk got injured or or as I say Canate. So yeah, they need they need a new uh, another centre back. I think. And midfield, yeah, probably still still one short. And I mean, it's just been a complete rebuild, hasn't it? They they brought in all these players, all these new players. Um, but I, it does feel like they're one short. And the one, I know the one they were looking at was the lad in Brazil, uh, Andre. And I think basically the idea was that because their season runs differently, um, and they're still in the uh, Copa Libertadores, the obviously the South American Champions League. And I think they the idea was that maybe after that they could look at signing him in January. So he might be one, you know, young Brazil international who, who could come in there and be another another addition in there. So I keep an eye on that one. Um but yeah, no, I agree again. I agree with uh, I agree with Richard. He's, he probably should be honest than me, shouldn't he really? The way the, this, uh, this, this this insight he's coming out with. We'll jump now Brighton against Newcastle. Um you know I- it's strange. I think Newcastle every game's been on the telly this season, so it's weird. You've seen a lot of them, yeah, um, because they've been in them sort of prime time slots. And it was the same on Saturday evening. Brighton, we knew that that was going to be a hard game for them. You know, and I would say, in Newcastle's defence for the poor start of the season, they have had a very tricky fixture list. You know, last season they lost at Man City, they lost at home against Liverpool, and they drew at Brighton. So they're already actually one point worse yeah. off compared to last year, but they look very different. They don't have that intensity that they had last season. They don't look the same as they did 
towards the end of the, the last campaign and even how they looked in the first half against Liverpool before that Van Dijk red card, you know, that they don't have the same spark that they once had. And is it, in your opinion, is it concerning that Newcastle looks so off the pace compared to where they were last year? Or do you think that they will get it right and it's just a case of the fixtures haven't been kind and when they get a run of decent games, they'll start picking up points and start getting that confidence and again, you know, challenge for the top four? I'd, I'd probably lean towards the concerning side. I think, um, but yeah, incredibly difficult games they've had. But I watched when I watched them went to City. I know it's City, and you can you know you can obviously caveat that with everything. So they were really poor, really passive. They they didn't really look to engage. You know, for a side that's on the same stage in the Champions League as Man City, they looked away off. They were way off them, and um, they just, there was there was a strange sort of passiveness, almost like a well, if we get out losing one 0 that's all right. And I come on, you, you know, you're supposed to have moved on. You're supposed to have moved forward as a club. And then the Liverpool game, they just, they absolutely, I don't know, they just seem to spook themselves or what, but, you know, they were, they were all of a sudden, they were one, after half an hour, they won the up against a rival who have 10 men. And as you say, everyone's watching on the telly. It's the big, it's the big half four game. Gary Neville's making funny noises, you know, and, and, and things are, it's all, it's all there for everyone to see. And they and then they came up against the Liverpool side and defended incredibly well, and then just just almost mugged them on the break with with Nunes. But um, no, uh, that was disappointing. And then Brighton, look, Bright Brighton can do that to you. Uh, you know, Brighton are a very very good side, and I thought the first half was fairly even. And you know, they could have there's a couple of chances there with 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 Isak where maybe he was perhaps a tiny bit sharper. They could have uh, he could have got somewhere. But then I mean, the goal's poor, isn't it? The first goal, uh, Pope should be doing better there. And that just seemed to, it was almost like when that happened, it was like, oh no, here we go again. And they remembered last week and they were kind of, you know, they, they got down on themselves a little bit. So I, yeah, I mean, they're going to have easier fixtures because they've just played three of the hardest ones you can have in, in the league. So things will obviously improve. I think it's Brentford at home next. That's a big game. That's a huge game. Because um, Brentford are a sort of side that you'd expect them to be. But, but then on their day, Brentford have got good attacking players, haven't they? So there could be, you know, if, if something happened there and then they go into the Champions League, um, I think it's AC Milan away first game. Brilliant, brilliant first game to have as a, on a return to the Champions League. But do you want to go in there off the back of, I mean, let's say they draw to Brentford or lose, do you want to go in there off the back of four, four you know, poor results? Um, does the pressure come on how then? Uh, so no, it's it's a difficult one. They, they, should, they should be given some slack. How should be given some slack? He's done a fantastic job. Um, it's just this is what happens when you are a team at the top end of the league. You're going to be, you, you know, you're going to face scrutiny, and um, they haven't looked haven't looked too great yet. I think Newcastle's a really interesting club to look at because they are. You've obviously got a really passionate fan base. We all know that, but that can work for and against you. You know, last year it snowballed in such a positive way. This year it could snowball in a negative way. I mean, I already see in terms of, you know, just social media and stuff, the fans are not happy. They were expecting, you know, to be, I think possibly even title contenders this season. And, you know, with all the expectation, all the players they've brought in to have started this slowly and then headed up the Champions League where it's going to be difficult, you know, are they going to be able to get wins against AC and PSG, Borussia Dortmund? Absolutely. Then you're getting much yeah. more defeats compared to last year where they, yeah. they, they barely lost a game last year I think I read that they didn't lose their third game until March you know where wow. August yeah. they've done that so yeah, it's, I think it's last year you saw 
Yeah, and also I think you saw a lot of their players had very, you know, absolute, work, you know, the best seasons of their careers last year. And and maybe there's a bit of a sort of reverting to the mean in the likes of her, Dan Byrne, or players like that. And, and you know, I, not, not not to pick him out because obviously he's, he's done very well, but maybe him and some of, some of the defenders. Um, I think as well with a, with, a, with a team like Newcastle who emerged so well last season, you know, every club... Every every Premier League club and below have things like these, you know, performance analysts and people who look at videos and all the tactical stuff they do. They spend their days on this. Every club has the videos of Newcastle and they've worked out you know, like how to hurt them, how to hurt them. Whereas last season, it was still, oh, it's Newcastle, we can go into that game, you know, it might be a bit even, and New- and Newcastle with their superior players were were, were coming through. I just think now other teams are taking that bit more seriously and they're defending, you know, perhaps a little bit deeper than they would against someone like Isaac. Um, so they're coming up against almost their own reputation in a way. And, you know, and when you are in the Champions League, that will happen to you because a result against Newcastle, a, a, a draw against Newcastle, now for what, 12, 13 teams in this league is a great result. Um, so they're going to have to overcome that and that's why I say a game like Brentford could be difficult for them they've just lost three games that are amongst the harder ones in the division but that's why where my concern is have they got enough about them to break down some of these so-called lesser sides Brighton um, Ferguson bagged himself a hat I mean I'd say bagged himself a hat I mean one of the goals I thought you know could easily have been going to the dubious goals panel for an old goal come on you got to give it him you got to give it him <laughs> well, I just yeah, you know, I don't know. If it, uh, it was a hell of a deflection, right? But right in after that really poor game against West Ham, I think it was last weekend, wasn't it? They, they got hammered yeah. against West Ham. They bounced back and they look like the mold cells again. I think you know I've got here. Are they contenders to be top six? I think obviously they are contenders to be top six. I don't think there'll be anything more than that because I just don't think they have the consistency, particularly with European football coming in this yeah. year. They have a dodgy result in them, like that West Ham game, and I think. They they don't possibly have the the depth of squad to maintain, you know, the level of performance they've put in in three of the four games this season. I tend to agree. You know, once Europe starts, as you say, you know that's that's going to be tricky to marry that whole Thursday Sunday thing. Have they got the squad for that? The West Ham game reminded me a lot of remember back end of last season when they just out of nowhere lost five one at home to Everton, and everyone thought that was the game where they were going to make a big statement and potentially Everton were going to suffer the result that might send them down. And they and they picked them off and won 5-1. And West Ham were better than Everton on that day when they played uh, last week. West, West Ham had a great start to the season. But um, I do think Brighton have that in them. Uh, they will throw in a result that you don't, you don't expect. Um, and so that was why it was important for them to get back, um, get back winning as they did. At the weekend, I thought Ferg, you know, Ferguson's such a presence, isn't he? He's, I mean, he's, 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 he's 18. I just, just having a look there, he's 18. And I was, you know, uh, he was born in, in October 2000 and, uh, 2004. And I was having a look at kind of like what, what was what was happening around then, just to try and age him. Do you remember when, when Arsenal lost their unbeaten run? So they'd lost, they, uh, they obviously they gone the season undefeated. And then they started the start of the next season, they go to Man United and they lose 2 0. And Rooney, I think Rooney, Rooney went down for a penalty and he was a bit of a dive. Evan Ferguson was five days old then. <laughs> so you know, in terms of kind of like trying to age him, it's like, how is that? How is that possible? And he's played in the Premier League and he scored a hat trick and he looks every inch 
the type of player that Chelsea will want to spend 150 million on. I'd imagine. Um, I wouldn't be you wouldn't be shocked, would you? Given that they, they have a history of doing business with Brighton. Um, but no, you're right. Top six Europe, European football. They they could have a go at the Europa League. They they could they could have a go at winning that. You know, would I mean would would you be shocked if you saw a Liverpool Brighton semi final or something like that? That'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, like so like you wouldn't be surprised if they went quite far in that competition. Um, and maybe that'll affect their league form. We'll see. But I I love watching them. They're, they're a really good team to watch and. And um, yeah, they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts around those European places. We'll jump to Burnley against Spurs. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about relegation towards the end of the podcast, so we'll focus mainly on Spurs here. Um, but five two, I mean, they went one 0 down, and I thought, oh, this is a Spurs game, isn't it? Newly yeah. promoted team away from home, Spurs. It just feels like the kind of game Spurs could lose. But they hit them for five, and I know they could see the late goal for five too, so it doesn't look quite as spectacular. But they look like a, a really good team this season. I think that without European football, you know, we talked about Newcastle and Brighton, the fact that they've got that European competition. Spurs don't this year, and yeah. that's the first time in a long time they haven't had European football. That could really benefit them and give them that extra edge on the teams pushing for the top four. And I just think the way that they're playing football is it's just a breath of fresh air compared to what they've suffered with their previous managers. I, I just think it's exciting watching them now and Spurs has been a team that you've, you've, you've avoided Spurs. If you were on a super Sunday, if the missus had yeah. said, do you want to go out after we were just faced with a two o'clock? You'd <laughs> like probably get, yeah, okay. <laughs> but now you would make sure you, you know, you watch Spurs because they look like an exciting team. I think the word suffered there is a good one because I find myself, I've got a good mate as a Spurs fan texting me yesterday just he was talking about it saying it's just fun again just to watch them you know and like just just to watch football and and, and as you said yeah you might avoid I think he, he would avoid his own team because he wasn't enjoying watching them play um, it's a great advert for just having a good time and and you know playing playing with a smile on your face that I mean that is if you would sum up a player that's probably James Madison isn't it the way he plays football uh, I think he's such a perfect fit for what they want to do there I think it might be a touch too early in terms of talking about them Champions League or trophies or whatever. But I, I don't want to sound like I'm sort of doing them down. I just think this season is is all about getting the love for for football back and you know really really buying into the manager who seems like a really really switched on bloke, doesn't he? Type of bloke that you want to play for, you know. Um, he's and yeah, those previous managers. I mean, I, I still find it staggering the way that it ended with Conte there. Where he just, you know, he's in one of the biggest jobs in the in the country, and he's acting the way he is. So disrespectful, I thought, to the club and and, and the fans and the players. Um, and there they've now got they've now got a manager who crucially sees it as the job it is, which is a very good job in a Premier League. You know, a real a, a one where you can um, you sort of create your own your own story if you like, and you know. It, it, Kind of go on, go on a journey together, and he seems up for it. Um, and he's turning players who, you know, Son didn't have the best of seasons last year, did he? Um, he was probably weighed down by it all. Um, and he's turning. Crucially, it's probably the first time, first time we haven't mentioned Harry Kane in in in, in an essence. You know, it, it, it sort of uh, across the Spurs game. It's it's still uh, well, yeah, he's gone, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, I think that they're definitely a side that. That uh, I, I want to watch, and yeah, uh, you, you're not going to change the channel on them anymore, are you? 
Yeah, we very interesting to see how uh, yeah. Kane would have fit into this team. I think it would have yeah. been exciting to see him in there. But we'll change to another London team, but a one that's not enjoying as good of a time. I was thinking, do, do I include Chelsea in the relegation chat now? Or <laughs> oh, they're not playing in that realm yet. But... <laughs> they went for a Chelsea last year. Yeah, they yeah. for a bit. Yeah. But Chelsea dominated that game, to be fair to them. In terms yeah. of shots, but, but they just can't score goals. And this was the same as last season you watch them and the the career but they just never look like even even though they're in one-on-one on the goalkeeper you still don't think they're going to score a goal and that's been their main problem and and when you watch them and you watch the highlights but you just you worry that they haven't done enough in terms i mean considering how much money they spent they haven't done enough in terms of a, a proper number nine to to genuinely um threaten towards the top six i think now you'd look at their first four games in the season and say that they are ways away from teams like Tottenham, you know, and, and Tottenham is probably going to miss out on the top four, but they still look a few notches below them. And this was a, a poor result. I mean, it's a big win for Nottingham Forest. You know, you've got to give them a, a big shout out, their first away win in the season. But in terms of Chelsea, you know, is, is it going to be similar to last season? Or do you think because they've got a manager like Pochettino, he can figure it out and maybe get them so at least they're pushing towards the top eight and not the bottom eight? I think it's a bit like, you know, sometimes when you go shopping and you've, you've spent a bit of money on your shopping and you come home and you put it all in the fridge and you're like, is that, is that what I bought? Is that, is that what I've spent all this money on? And it doesn't look a lot, does it? There's nothing there. And it's like, what did I actually buy? I don't know. <laughs> so, um, and I thought like I was at the game, I was at Stamford Bridge, the first game of the season against Liverpool. And I thought they looked all right up in patches. They, there's clear, I mean, it's, but you, you're going to do that when you've got talented players, which they clearly have. They're just not a team yet. And and they've essentially gone to Pochettino. Here's all the pieces. You you need to put it all together as a as a jigsaw or or kind of like however you want to see it. Um and so he absolutely doesn't know his best team yet, but then how could you, given all the changes that go on? Transfer windows closed now. So he can go, right, let's let's try and build something. They're, yeah, they're unfortunate against uh, against Forest. Forest defended brilliantly, and you'd think it's the type of game that if they played it again, you know, three, four, five times, Chelsea would probably would probably come out on top. Forest deserve all the credit in the world for what they did. Uh, it was coming. Forest played well, didn't they? At Arsenal and against uh, Man United, and didn't get anything from those games. And so they to get to then go to Chelsea and win that to get three points across those three games is brilliant for them. So. Um, but no, Chelsea, it's going to take time. Um, I actually think the, the reverse is true with Tottenham. Tottenham not having Europe might actually help them in terms of good work on the training ground and you know buying into different ways. I think Chelsea not having Europe is not going to help them because there's so many players and they want their games. And where are they going to get them? You know, it's, it's so so that's that's my concern. I think Pochettino would love to have. Europa League, even a Conference League, you know, so some, something to focus on in the week and something to give games to so some of these lads who you see on the bench who are not going to get a game, you know. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to do. There is a lot to do. Um, they need to buy into him uh, and trust in him to to do it because they're not going to get anywhere otherwise. 
Yeah, it's like a Chelsea to me just feels like a bizarre experiment. Uh, yeah. You know, the guy who owns a baseball hey, team. Oh, maybe it's creating. It's like some sort, of, some sort, of, sort of like a reality show or something. That's the like, yeah, it could be. Like, it just it's, some, it's crazy. He might get voted off next week, and they can't play him again. It's honestly, it is, it is that. <laughs> oh, he tries to do. We obviously Bowley's Bowley's uh, background is baseball, and obviously in baseball they have these things like the farm system, don't they? Where they now, so if you're the the New York Yankees, you have clubs who are affiliated to you in the minor leagues who then will move up. And in some like, does he think that's what it is here? I don't know. Does he? Does he? Because um, they got they got they bought Strasbourg, didn't they? Um, now I half expected to hear news that half of these players had gone to Strasbourg and they were they were going to sort of you know uh, learn learn on their time, if you like. But most of them seem to stayed around. So um, it's a it's it's a mad. It's a mad place to play football, I imagine. Um, but they need to trust in Pochettino, as I say. They need to trust in him because there's no point. that He he has to be the most important figure at that club for the next, well, season. But until until January when the window, when the window opens and we'll be talking about top body again. But um, it needs to be now Pochettino on the training ground, getting his team, getting them to work. And there is still a chance they could, they could challenge for Europe. I still, I still think that. Um, but they need to sort things out quickly. Yeah, I think you, you're probably lucky Pochettino that he's came in after Graham Potter in the sense that when Potter came in, they were like, right, we're going to challenge. You know, I think when Potter came in, the, the, the feeling was that Chelsea could contend, not necessarily for the title last season, but for the top four, and it went so disastrously wrong. Now the expectations have lowered a little bit, so maybe Pochettino can benefit from that, but we'll switch it's, it's track now. Yeah, got Tom. No, I was going to switch to relegation. I actually got more to say about Chelsea. We'll talk about the relegation. No, go on. We've, we've said enough about Chelsea. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, in terms of the bottom end of the league, um, Luton lost first home game of the season. Burnley lost again. You know, they played three home games and lost all three. Sheffield United and Everton drew. Which means that, you know, again, teams at the bottom went one, still have it won. Wolves lost Bournemouth drew. So we're looking there that, that six teams. They're the six teams that I look at and think are in the most danger this season. They look obviously worse than the teams that are above them. Um, do you agree with that assessment? Are they, are they the six worst teams in the league? Are they the six we're going to be talking about all year for relegation? Or do you think anyone else can fall into that category? I've probably got half an eye on Fulham just in, just in case they... Uh, things don't quite work out with some of those signings. I mean, they ended up keeping Palini, which was huge, wasn't it? Um, but is he sort of mentally in the right state because he's so close to such a big move to Bayern Munich? So I'd probably have an eye on them, but I think I've just glanced at it. I, their next game coming out of the international break is at home to Luton. So so they'll probably win that. Um, and that sounds really harsh on Luton, but that's just kind of how you see them, isn't it? And, and yeah, I think you're the six. I'd say Bournemouth look all right. Um, I saw them at Anfield. They played well. Um, they took the lead. They played good football. They were close to winning that game, weren't they? At Brentford at the weekend, it was only a late goal. So Bournemouth played played good football, um, and it's quite quite an open style of football. So they might get the odd they might get the odd thrashing Bournemouth, but they'll also I think they'll also pick up results. So of those six you've mentioned, I'd say they are my closest to point out of it. Wolves are a funny case, aren't they? They they have got some good players. Gary, I I really like Gary O'Neill. I think he's a good manager. Um, but they 
just the style of football I don't think doesn't lend itself to to um, win, to winning that many games. I think they get a lot of draws. Um, and then your four below, uh, I think I think you're already saying three from four almost. Uh, very, it's a very early call, but you're already saying three from four. And so in that in that case, a draw between Sheffield United and Everton arguably doesn't do either many favours. Um, it's better than a defeat, obviously, but but it is a game that both of them would have looked at and gone. You know, if they if they split all the games into categories, that's in their in their first category, isn't it? In terms of games that they that they could win, and they haven't. It's a good game. Um, I think a draw was a fair result. Uh, Everton Everton got um, Everton obviously got ahead, and then they let it slip uh, back into the first half, and they did well to get back into it. Picked up with a great save at the end. I mean, otherwise it could have been a lot worse for them. So there's still lots of questions around both of those sides. Everton. Not the happiest accounts, is that? I saw um, Damari Gray has been calling out Sean Dyche on, on social media and everything. It's just, um, and the, everything, about, everything about Everton is dominated. Behind, it's, it's all behind the scenes. It's an absolute mess behind the scenes. It has been for years. They've got this new stadium that they're moving into, which looks beautiful. I've seen it. It's fantastic. Looks a fantastic place. They could be. I mean, they could. They could be opening it in the Championship, and that's. That's uh, would be a, a disaster for them. I think it would be awful financially as well, because they're in they're in a precarious place financially. It was the first time I saw Sheffield United the fight at Sheffield, the fight that they have. You know, they 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 did all right against City, didn't they? But they were it, they got nowhere near them in terms of they were chasing the ball. But actually, it was the first time I thought, you know what, at Bramall Lane, those clubs in the sort of middle reaches of the league, they're not going to find that an easy place to go. Um, and you've already seen Fulham and Wolves have both gone to Everton and won already. So again, you know, again, if you're breaking these games down into categories, Everton would have had that in their in their winnable game category, wouldn't they? They've gone through the first four games of the season; they haven't won one. And uh, all right, they're away to Villa, which isn't isn't an easy one, but home to Fulham and Wolves and away to Sheffield United to get one point out of that. Uh, is is not good. So so yeah, I think I think it's three from four. It, Burnley, um, he seems to, he seems determined to play this attacking, you know, high line, the attacking brand of football that's got them there. It's a, it's very admirable, but every so often you you know you get picked off by a by a good team like Spurs, and so he's going to um, he's going to find that difficult. So yeah, no, I I agree with you. Three from four, um, and if I had to call it right now, I'd probably say the three you came up might be three go down again. See, I, I just look at Everton and they've just avoided it. Some they remind me very much of my team a few years ago. You know, when Sunderland were in that Premier League in for about four years, they just kept keeping their heads above. Almost annoyingly, even for me as a fan, it was annoying. Is that you have to just go down now and and rebuild? And and to me, Everton have that about them. In, you go through the, the the four games they've had so far this season. They couldn't have asked for a kinder fixture list, to be honest. In to have come out of that and you know not scored in three of them, um, only pick up one point. I think they are in real danger. And the other thing with Everton is, is we know that the the ownership there is a bit trigger happy as well. So it wouldn't shock me if they come back. I think we've got Arsenal after the international break. You know, you lose against Arsenal and then they go right. We're gonna pull the, the trigger on that early doors. The one thing I would say for Everton is that new striker of the ball looks decent though. 
Yeah, it does look lively. He looks like he's uh, sort of enjoys the physical sort of battle as well, which I imagine Daesh will, will like. But yeah, Daesh is, is, you know, when when he went in there, I think everyone was like, oh, he'll do a good job there. But I think he, I mean, he essentially took Burnley down. I know he left before they fully did go down. And I did just wonder about some of his sort of, you know, has, has the game moved past the old sort of dice way of playing? I think it might have done. Um, and then some of those players, they've got Everton, they've got, they've, you know, they've spent a lot of money on some of those players they've got there. But are they, are they, you know, are they hungry enough? Some of them? I mean, they, he seems to go through, I mean, he's completely bombed out uh, Michael Keane now. You know, and and some you know some of these players who were once kind of quite highly rated, you know, have just seemed to disappear. And even even I don't know uh, Decore is very important for them now, but he he went under Lampard. He he was uh, close to leaving. Um, we've seen more pay go. You know, it, have they got? Yes, Beto looks good, but have they got the backup to him if something would happen to him? And they've got Calvert Lewin, but where is he? Um, they've sold him Wilby, which which all right, he's not. I don't think he's the greatest player, but he's he'll do you a shift, won't he? And he's, he gets up and up and down the pitch. He had a he had a spell where he was looking okay for them. Um, they had, uh, Dwight McNeil came on uh, on Saturday, and that's big. He's he's been out, and I think he's he's a good player, and obviously knows Dyche quite well. He's a, you know he can be a very good creative player on his day. Dan Juma can blow hot and cold, but when he's when he's on it, we saw a good good finish for the goal. So there are there are players there, but. I guess just yeah, I, the the way they play, the way they play football is is a little bit too limited. And the whole the only reason I would say they're going to stay up is because the other three will will find ways to be worse, um, and it won't necessarily be much of Everton's doing if they do stay. Yeah, I think Jordan Pickford as well. I mean that save he made at the end of the game, well two saves he made. You know he, I would say, has been so key in them staying up the last few years, and the fact they've got him still, you know, they, he's probably worth over a course of a season six or eight points just in himself because he can say, I mean, he's already saved them one point from the weekend, you know, and that'll be the first of many you'll do throughout the season. But anyway, we're, we're just about out of time. We've ran 45 minutes here, about 15 minutes no, more than we normally like to. But thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Richard as well, if you're still listening for uh, joining in with your questions. Uh, we appreciate it. And thanks Mark. Enjoy the rest of Cheers, your mate. week. A quiet one with international football. Yeah. Take it easy. No, no Premier League this weekend. And um, although to be fair, it'll be a boring weekend, won't it? No Premier League. Yes. World. It's painful. I might, I might, I might have to go outside and do things. That's damn right. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, and I'll smell the fresh air. <laughs> horrible. Okay, thanks everyone for watching. Uh, thanks for watching for coming on, and we'll, we'll catch you soon. <laughs>